Welcome to the Time Out Podcast with Tony McGettigan. Because we all need a little time out from life. Hello, I'm Peter Dixon, the voice of the X Factor. And you're about to listen to my interview with Tony McGettigan on the Time Out Podcast. Welcome to episode number 34 of the Time Out podcast uh, with me, your host, Tony McGettigan. And uh, my guest today is a man whose voice has been airing on TV and radio across various entertainment shows for decades. Uh, shows such as Britain's Got Talent, The Price is Right, and primarily, I suppose, he's best known as the voice of the X Factor uh, in introducing many acts onto the stage. And his name is Mr. Peter Dixon. Peter, you're very welcome to the Time my podcast well thank you very much for having me on tony yeah great to, to speak with you and uh, i suppose the first question i would like to ask you is how are, how are you i'm well very well actually um about six weeks ago i i fell over in my studio and uh badly injured my um my hip so badly that i had to have a have a hip replacement so i'm the last six weeks i've been hobbling around i'm i'm on the mend now so things are getting much better but uh uh again with lockdown as we're in now just about to come out of it uh, couldn't have happened at a better if there is a better time for such a thing to happen uh, i've been uh, fortunate in that there's been nowhere to go anyway so i've been uh, convalescing at home but still getting on with work and that's one of the benefits of being i guess doing what i do for a living is that i can work from home because I have my own home studio and uh, so I, I've been it's been business as as usual during lockdown for me yeah I'm sorry to hear you hurt yourself but as you say if you could pick a time for it to happen it uh, didn't happen at a, a <laughs> bad time you know that's right yeah exactly yeah and just to speak a bit more about you know, the business because I've been looking into your, your sort of the work you're doing Peter and um, of course, before we get on to the, the work you do with the voiceovers, you have your own business and it's, uh, it's called Gravy for the Brain. I do, yes. And um, it's an odd name for a business. I know I, I, I won't bore you with how we came up with the name, but it was um, it was born out of a necessity, really. My business partner, the guy that, that runs it with me, is a voice director. He directs uh, voice actors in video games. And uh, he, many years ago, said to me, I'm fed up with using the same voice actors in the games uh, that, that we run because it's quite a specialized niche in voice over voice acting in that there are certain techniques and, and things you need to know about how to do voice uh, in video game. So um, he said, I'm, I end up training people on the job in front of clients, and that's not ideal. So he and I had this conversation and we came up with the idea that we would uh, form a business to train actors to become voice actors in the video gaming industry yes. <clears throat> and so that's what we did uh, and then from there the business then grew into uh, what is now the biggest voice acting academy or university if you want to call it that virtually in the world we've trained something like close to 50,000 voice actors around the world in all aspects of voiceover from video gaming to audiobooks and everything else in between and um, so that's how that business started and I'm really delighted to and very proud of what we've achieved there because you know I've had 40 odd years of working in this industry Hughes had about 30 so with our combined experience we've been able to um, pass on our combined knowledge and the knowledge of all the other people and all the other staff who work for and with us to a new generation of 
voice actors and voiceover artists around the world. So it's um it's kind of nice to know that there's a kind of legacy that I've left behind. Not that I'm going anywhere yeah. or anything, but I, I just think you know it's nice to have something permanent rather than the impermanence of a lot of the work that I do. You know, um, a lot of it's very ephemeral. It just kind of comes and goes uh, and, uh, and never gets seen or heard again. There's something nice about that, I think. The old saying is there's no substitute for experience and you certainly have plenty of that, Peter, and uh, it's, it's great that the business idea, I absolutely I, I love it because I looked into it and uh, I see what you offer and it's quite extensive what you offer and I'm sure many, as you've highlighted there, many people have availed of it. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got many, many members now all around the world. We're in South America, North America, Canada, Europe, Spain, you know, Arabia, Australia and New Zealand. And we have offices in all those countries and people who are um, training voice actors in those countries in the unique um, uh, sort of quirks, if you want to call it that, uh, for those countries. Because voice acting is pretty similar around the world, but there are regional and country differences that we need to take account of. Uh, and so that's what we've done. And, you know, I'm just so pleased that we've been able to do it. And it's it's uh, it's growing into a, a pretty big business now, which is very gratifying for me to see. Yeah. And of course, people will be only happy to come on when you listen to like yourself because of the <clears throat> vast experience you do have yourself, Peter. And just going back to the start of your story, Peter, when I was looking at sort of doing research into our interview, um, I didn't actually know that you were born in Belfast in 1957. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had. Yeah, I lived, uh, grew up in Belfast, and was uh, uh, left there when I was twenty three, twenty four, nearly. And that's where I started my career in front of the microphone. Was at the BBC in Belfast. Yes. Well, before that, it was uh, it was in hospital radio. I was in. Um, on, I worked in a hospital radio station at uh, the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast, and uh, then moved on to doing. Um, the, doing work when I went, I went to Queen's University to do a degree in psychology, and I worked during that period for the BBC in Belfast as a radio announcer. So I was reading news both on TV and radio in those days, and um, doing continuity work on Radio Ulster, as it was and uh, or is. And uh, that was great, you know, for me to do that while I was still at university. I had a I had an income apart from anything else, but I was also getting some great training and great experience uh, while not really in a full time job. And then when I left university, when I graduated with my degree, I then joined the BBC full time uh, in Belfast as a uh, as a radio uh, journalist, as a reporter. And I was working with some of the biggest names in journalism who are who are now some of the biggest names in journalism. People like Kate A.D., Jeremy Paxman, Nicholas Witchell, um, that kind of. Um, caliber of people yes. because they were coming through the Belfast newsroom. Remember, this was in the 80s when the troubles were at their height and it was um, a pretty, you know, a war-torn province, if that's a bit of a cliche, cliche, cliche I know. But it was a very dark period in Northern Ireland's yeah. history, uh, that, that decade that I worked there. And I, I just felt that uh, after a few, a period of time, I can't remember how long I stuck it for, but it was you know, I, did, I was interviewing policemen's widows and I was getting involved in the reporting of the daily carnage that was going on. And it just became very wearisome. And I, I got very um, down about it, if you, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. And so I, I decided that journalism wasn't for me and I couldn't do it any longer. So I, I switched over into um, the, the presentation department at the BBC in, in Belfast and I was a, 
I became a full-time newsreader and announcer and TV uh, news anchor with a guy called Barry Cowan, who many of you in Northern Ireland will remember, and Sean Rafferty as well. And so I was their kind of uh, new, news guy, the, the, the news summary reader. So um, that was great. I loved that. Um, and then I, I answered an, uh, an advert in the BBC's internal magazine for a Radio 2 announcer position. It was a six-month attachment in London. I grasped that opportunity, went across, took the job, and never looked back. I was nine, ten years at Radio 2, which was fantastic, you know, working with the likes of Wogan and Kenny Everett and all the uh, all the biggest names in broadcasting that I had admired from a distance for many many years and to watch and work with them close up was such a thrill yeah. for me and i learned so much yeah invaluable experience peter and it is interesting the sort of career change and it, of course you decided it wasn't for you sort of journalism and uh, which is uh, very important i suppose to, to enjoy what you're doing peter is is very important in everyday life for anybody i suppose you know well that's right my father said to me years ago you know, when I was thinking about what I was going to do for a living, when I eventually got a job, he said, pick a job or pick something you absolutely love, and then you'll never, ever do a day's work in yeah. your life. And I didn't understand what he meant then. I was only 20 or something. I, I just, yeah, what does that mean? But now, you know, as I, as I did, thankfully, pick a job that I loved uh, and still love, I... Um, I still consider it as a, as a kind of like a hobby I'd be doing anyway, but I'm getting paid for it, which is even better. So, um, yeah, I do love the job, and I don't consider I ever, ever have a day's work, no. which is so I'm so lucky and fortunate uh, yeah. in that respect. That's fantastic, Peter. It definitely is a big bonus when you can work, do something you love to do. And uh, just looking at, at, I suppose the easiest question to ask you, Peter, is is there a show in, in, in Britain that you haven't, worked on because when I looked at the list there that you've worked on it's quite extensive quite impressive and you've worked with a lot of legends as you say but just uh, to pick out a few of the shows that you've worked on um, not necessarily yeah. in order uh, here but the, the price is right and you would have worked of, of, uh, alongside Bruce Forsyth who uh, sadly passed away three years ago and uh, what's your, your memories of Bruce and the price is right oh yes I mean that was uh, such a a wonderful opportunity for me for me to work with Bruce, and I was so I jumped at the opportunity when they asked me. Of course, I said absolutely, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, and I had uh, I think it was seven years of series with him, uh, and just to have the opportunity to get to know him personally and to work with him and watch him work more importantly was an absolute joy. You know, I've never seen anybody before or since be introduced onto a studio floor in a television studio in front of a live audience and be able to walk on the set and have the audience literally stand up and applaud him before he's even uttered a word. That speaks volumes for yes. his, his, uh, you know, his reputation and, and how much he was loved. And uh, then to watch him reel in an audience literally like uh, they were his rightful prey you know he would just he was just he just had this uncanny ability to judge an audience's mood uh and and instantly know what they wanted and be able to give it to them uh, and uh, and have them eat out of his hand within about two seconds he was yeah. uh, he was unique and uh, and of course that's kind of, that kind of talent doesn't come no. uh, overnight i mean th this ability to do what i've just described comes through many 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 years of failure and practice in front of live audiences which bruce had in his early from his early career when he was a very young boy i think he started when he was about 9 or 10 uh, as the mighty atom 
touring Britain's music halls, which he continued to do for many, many years, in front of some of the toughest audiences you could ever imagine, including the infamous Glasgow Empire, where uh, acts who were less than perfect were regularly pelted with rotten fruit. But he um, he told me all these stories when we were um, you know when we were uh, in the hotel after after work, and it was fascinating to hear these stories from him uh, being yeah. told about his. Uh, his days in the very early days where he couldn't afford a hotel room uh, and he was traveling between these music halls up and down the country so he would take a take a train at night and uh, sleep on the luggage racks just to get some shut eye and uh, you know people forget that they look at uh, they well, they looked at Bruce the entertainer in his bow tie and you know working with Sammy Davis Jr and people like that they forget that there was this whole background to Bruce's career that required that that investment that practice that energy and that uh, commitment to his craft that very few people nowadays are even prepared to do with this instant fame yes. world that we now live in where people think they want fame without having to put in the the uh, the work and um, something i've never understood somebody once said to me do you want do you want to be rich and famous i said well i'll, I'll just uh, i'll just try the rich bit first and see if that <laughs> covers it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Bruce, it definitely sounded like he had a, a, a rough start, to, and but uh, he certainly went to great lengths and had a very long career, and that is testament to himself as well, you know, really and truly. Yes, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. I think nobody has a, a career in, in any business for that length of time without being good at what they do, and he certainly was one of the yeah. best. And another personal favourite show of mine um, that I, I used to watch a lot um, that I didn't actually know you worked on, um, They Think It's All Over with uh, Nick Hancock. And a show that, for me, was badly missed when it was taken off TV. Of course, you've got similar types of shows on now, but that show in particular, um, I must say, I had a, a fondness for. Yeah, there's lots of uh, shows that have ne never been seen again, which is surprising because... Um you know, broadcasters are always looking for the next big thing, and very often, invariably, they end up bringing back shows that have been off air for ten years or so, and they, and they, and, they, and they present them to a whole new audience, a whole new generation, if you like. And again, that's what X Factor basically was, wasn't it? It was opportunity not yep. revisited and re and renewed. So, um, you know, they think it's all over. Uh, maybe has had its day and will never come back. I don't know. It was. A great show to work yeah. on, and uh, and um, and and as you say, a, a fabulous format which I enjoyed as a viewer as well as working yeah. on it. So, yeah, who knows? It may come back. It was sort of light-hearted, and uh, it used to be great fun. Um, I used to really enjoy it. And uh, another part of your story, Peter, of course, all the vast amount of shows that you that you've worked on. But another one struck me uh, that you worked with uh, Jerry Springer on ITV. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was um, a show called uh, Tonight with Jerry Springer. Uh, it was on ITV, and then it moved to Channel Five, and then poor old Jerry's ambitions of being the next late night chat show king in the UK came crashing down because uh, Dawn Airy, the controller of Channel Five, finally, uh, you know, uh, closed that little chapter for him, and he moved back to America. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was—he was an interesting guy. I mean, very, a very clever man, very well educated, uh, a former politician himself, um, who found himself being perhaps famous or infamous for being the host of a of a show called Jerry Springer, which <laughs> That's right. which must be nice to, to have a, have a show named after you. But he, we all know, you know, what Jerry Springer was all about. It was the exploitation, if you like, of 
of people who had uh, family disagreements. And, uh, and it, it, it was a rich vein for him for many, many years as a cable show. You know, they, they, he made absolute millions from it, as did the, uh, as did the, the companies that, uh, that took it. And, um, he, uh, yeah, he's an interesting man. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing now. I think he's probably retired now. He must yeah. be quite an age. Well, tell me, if, like, uh, just to, to get your own opinion, a lot of people watching, the likes of Jerry Springer and myself included, the thought does come across your mind where a lot of this has to be sort of staged, literally. Is it sort of real life or was it just, inter- can you kind of clarify that or? Would you know, Peter? Well, no, no, I, I, I couldn't speak for Jerry Springer yeah. or, or any of those kind of shows because I've never worked on them. I, uh, the show I worked on was Jerry Springer, the chat show. It was a, it was a late yes. night chat show, an entertainment show, nothing at all like what uh, he was known for in the U.S. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know anything at all about the U.S. version of these yes. shows other than as a viewer like you. I watched them occasionally, found them abhorrent and uh, and uh, and equally fascinating at the same time yeah they would definitely have two good <laughs> two good words there and uh, to use but no certainly an interesting uh, character what i uh, what i doubt and in 2012 uh, P- peter will come to the x factor uh, uh, next but in 2012 you were the official voice of the olympic beach volleyball at the London 2012 Olympic Games. That must be set uh, very highly for you as well. Great honour. Well, what, one, of the, uh, one of the highlights of my career, I think, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a remarkable opportunity and never to be repeated again in my lifetime. And so I grasped it with both, uh, with both hands and uh, was so honoured and thrilled to do it. I, uh, I just can't tell you how, how fun it was. When I, um, when I was asked to do it i had to go home and tell my wife uh that i was going to be the uh, the announcer at the beach volleyball and uh it nearly caused a divorce in our, <laughs> in our house because you know the connotations of course of beach volleyball is they uh they don't wear very many clothes oh, when that's they play. Right. Yes. And, uh, and, and and actually it is a it is a very simple game but it is uh it's a brutal game because you play on this really deep fine powdery sand and uh it looks easy when you um when you watch it on TV or if you watch it on the beach, but actually, you know, moving around in that sand, your feet sink into it. It becomes really hard to move. It's like, like you're wearing lead shoes. Yes. And so these guys, these girls and, and guys that play it are, at, you know, at the peak of athleticism. They are very, very fit. And it is physically extremely demanding. But to, to sit there in the London 2012 Olympic Games in Horse Guards Parade in that wonderful setting with the most iconic buildings in the United Kingdom lit up and surrounding you, like from the, you know, the big wheel on the Thames, the, the, uh, the, the Millennium Wheel. You've got the Houses of Parliament, the Elizabeth Tower with Big Ben lit up in, in orange, and, in the, and then the Telecom Tower behind you and the, the Admiralty buildings, you know, rich, rich history of Britain's cultural background and heritage. And then this most fantastic temporary stadium built out of scaffolding, housing 12,000 upwards people uh, rising up in very steep rows. Um, it was, London at that point was the centre of the universe. And here was me, you know, little Peter Dixon from Belfast <laughs> in the middle of it all. Yeah. Um, couldn't believe my luck. It was just so much fun. I loved every yeah. single second of it and I still can't believe it happened great, a great moment for your career um, Peter and certainly a deserved moment as well for you because you've, 
you've had such a, a long career yourself and uh, continually uh, impressing and you're still very much in the thick of it and of course one of the, the heroes of 2012 I don't know if you're catching it at the minute but uh, Sir Mo Farah is uh, currently on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here Yes, yes, I've I've seen him on there. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've, I've always been a, a big admirer of his. He's uh, he just gets on with things quietly and uh, and and a very a very inspiring man, uh, not just to me but to millions of people around the world and particularly young people who are in athletics or thinking they might want to have a go. He's uh, he's a very modest, lovely guy and he's doing very well. Yes. Take my hat off to him. He's definitely, from what I've watched so far, he's endearing himself further. I think, even if that was possible, uh, to the to the public, and uh, of course, uh, much loved before uh, celebrity. But uh, certainly, a great story of you know uh, he was telling the story of where he came from in the sense of you know his rise to the gold medal. It's it's quite a story, you know. Uh, yeah, it is. story. Yeah, but anyway, Peter, on to the 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 X Factor, and this is what I doubt it's been a, a sensation since it began in 2004 and you've been there really since the outset and it's currently on a break um peter but i don't think we've seen the end of it quite yet of the oh film. you know more than i do yeah <laughs> well it's, it's it's on a it's on a break isn't it yes uh, it's not on this year obviously uh, it would be yeah. on now uh, had it been on um and uh, so i have no idea i mean i think as i said very early on in this conversation Formats come and they go. Sometimes they go permanently. Sometimes they go away for a while, uh, and they're rested, and they come back when the public's appetite returns for it. So I don't really know. I'm not party to the thoughts or the thinking or the decision-making yes. process on that. Um, but uh, you know, I would be surprised if uh, some form or other of the show like that didn't come back in the in the future. I think it's a uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's been hugely popular, of course, one of the biggest entertainment shows in the world, not just in the UK, but around the world where the format is still going uh, in many, many countries. Um, and I've always and still have a great deal of affection for it because I suppose you could argue that that show and that show alone that I've done, you know, over uh, something like... Hmm, probably about a hundred broadcast TV shows and series over my lifetime. Uh, that, that show alone is probably the one that catapulted me to into the public consciousness yes. with, uh, with the, with the, with the voice that I, 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 I did for it. Um, so yes, I, I love doing it. I, I think 16 years is a very good run in any, any formats, um, kind of um history i think it's been it's been a fantastic uh, show for me personally and and for for the many many people that went through it you know including the the the, the people who won and those that didn't win but still went on to have stellar That's careers right. out of it yeah and a lot of them actually who haven't won actually arguably uh, have gone on to have uh bigger careers but um no i suppose it is a, a tad presumptuous of me to say it, it hasn't reached the end of its cycle yet but i suppose that's me guessing in terms of the success it's had it's it's hard to envisage that they would get rid of it completely but uh of course we don't know well I, yeah I, I don't know i think you know Te uh, terry wogan once said to me it's you know when you're talking about an individual career he, i said we well, i said to him once are you ever going to retire and he said well uh, I would like to be able to retire on my terms and at the time of my choosing. And um, he said, rather than be, but stay on at the party too long, you know, yes. and become a bore. Nobody wants to become a bore. And no. so 
he was very, very sensitive and aware of that. And I think the same thing applies to uh, formats, to TV formats. You know, if you stay too long, you become a bore. And I think there's a danger of uh, of that happening if you if you outstay your welcome. And I think personally, I don't know what what, what you think, yeah. but I think that the not it wasn't just the fault of the X Factor being on air for 16 years. It was the fact that there were so many talent shows and competitions that were airing yeah, on television on all formats and oh, sorry on all channels. Yes, that the public then you know naturally become immune to the excitement of them, and they, they there's nothing terribly new about them. So unless there's something particularly different, mm. so I think it was just you know a case of here's a format that's been flogged to death, if you like, by many broadcasters over a long period of time, and the, the public grow weary of it. And I think there's, a, there's an argument to be had for saying, well, let's, let's rest it for a while and then bring it back when, when people's memories have faded and a new generation comes along and uh, people are ready for it again. I would love personally to, to see um, a sort of change to the X Factor in the, in the sense of like the artists that have been on there, obviously they cover, there's all different themed weeks where they're covering uh, different songs, but I suppose um, I would love to see a, a twist on that in the sense of maybe something like a songwriter's special. I know that's not going to be easy to implement because a lot of song like to write a great song isn't easy, but it would be maybe a different twist on, on the X Factor it might be, um, if it does come back, we might see that. Well, you can always put it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everybody has, has their ideas, uh, but I... I, I uh uh, you know, it's, th- this is something that, that uh, producers and executives on these shows wrestle with uh, constantly. You know, how do we reinvent yeah. something that's been so successful? And sometimes, you know, you don't have to reinvent it. You know, there's a show on Radio 4 called Desert Island Discs. It's been the same show for 45 years, and uh, nobody reinvented it. It's just a simple format where you ask a celebrity or somebody who's famous uh, for something or talented at something to come on, and you ask them to pick their favorite records and then ask them what they'd take with them on a desert island. And it's that simple. And that's what's part of its charm, you know, is it is simple. It's easy to understand. There's no drama with it. And it's just, that's why it's been around for so long. So often the simplest ideas, the ones that are are the least complicated and the ones that are easiest to do, um, and, and... are the ones that you know stand the chance of yeah. being around for longer. There's definitely a lot to be said for that, keeping it simple. And um, Simon Cowell himself, uh, um, Peter, what would you have spent much time with Simon in terms of uh, away from the X Factor, or would you know him that well? No, I, I don't. I don't think I do. No, I don't think anybody does. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we, there's a distinction to be made here, isn't it? That this is a job of work for me. That's He's right. the uh, executive producer on the show. Um, I, he's not a friend of mine. He's not uh, somebody I know particularly well. Uh, I, I've spoken to him quite quite a bit, but uh, you know, apart apart from working together, uh, I don't think don't think we've ever socialised uh, together. No, uh, he's a uh, he's a very busy man. He spends his time in America, and uh, and I uh, you know have every every bit of respect for um, him as a producer, but I, I wouldn't say I know him particularly well, no. As a working sort of uh, relationship? Yeah, 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 working with yeah. Yeah, and just as well, to touch on some of the introductions that you would have done down through the years um, on The X Factor, like, I would have my own uh, personal favourites, but uh, I'm sure that would be pretty um, 
it could be is there a stage when you were doing the, the recordings uh would it be pretty intense or would you tend to do them in one or two takes when you're introducing and well on on that particular show i uh, would uh, get the uh, get the list of the uh, get the scripts through if you like and the names on show one of the live shows <clears throat> the day before the show so friday i'd get i'd get that and i'd i'd, I'd scan that list of names because you know, part of the charm of that show, I think part of my fun really was being able to say some of those names out loud right. uh, as they as they're about to sing. Yeah. And um, so I used, to, I used to scan that list for interesting names to say. And uh, of course, when something like a name like Rachel Adadeji comes up and or, or Gamu yeah. Nengu uh, or Ireland's Mary Byrne, That's right. uh, it was it was really nice for me to to be able to um to give uh, give those names a little bit of uh, personality uh, after having seen what they look like and how they are, I used to try and match my delivery of my of their yes. name to how they were. So Mary Byrne had what I called. I gave her what well, she was a big busty uh, woman who was from Dublin, and That's she was right. uh, so lovely, so lovely and bubbly. Yeah, excuse me, and she she just um, oozed charm, and so I uh, and a little bit she was a little bit flirtatious as well, you know, with with <laughs> Dermot and, and some of the people. So she 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 battered the eyelids a little bit. So I used to give her a little bit of an eyebrow raise when I read her name, what I call the Roger Moore eyebrow yes. raise, and it went rather than Mary Byrne, I would say Mary Byrne, <laughs> 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 uh, yes. which I used to love doing. Yes. And then of course Rachel Adadeji was a great name to say because it's got so many syllables yes. in it, and I still use her name when i do my vocal warm-ups i say That's her name favorite. out loud I have to say. yeah and i would go rachel had a daisy yes yeah, yeah and then the other little short name the gamu nengu she was uh, a contestant i don't know what series it was but she uh, she couldn't go forwards any further because she had what i think they're called passport irregularities and so but i was so looking forward to saying her name you know gamu Nengu, <laughs> with the with the two open vowels at the end of her first name and second name, you can really stretch it out, you know, and go yeah. go over the top of it. Sort of give them a yeah. good introduction, and uh, yeah, you definitely yeah, sense so. yeah, you definitely sense the love of of what you do there, Peter, even in the enthusiasm, and of course, um, our own Westlife uh, in, in Ireland were on there a number of times as guests as well, and I also loved yeah. the way you did Westlife's introduction as well. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> You, you can maybe give us uh, a, wee, a wee go at Westlife. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Westlife. Yeah, ever the professional. <laughs> so easy, just turn it I, on. Um, I, I've, I've got a funny story about Westlife. I was asked to do, uh, to I was asked along to um, the, um, by the showbiz entertainment editor on the News of the World uh, to go to the, uh, to Rupert Murdoch's party uh, many years ago. Uh, it was a huge affair in Wapping at the, what was it, at the old print works. And, uh, the place was rammed to the rafters with thousands of people. And, um, you know, the drinks were flowing. And, uh, the, the editor of the, uh, of the paper said to me, Oh, would you do us the honor? We hate to ask you to do this because we, you're here on a social event, but would you mind introducing, um, our uh, star turn, our star act, our entertainment onto the stage tonight? I said, No, not at all. Um, and he said, I said, who is he? He said, oh, it's Westlife. Yeah. I said, great, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, about five, maybe 15, 20 minutes or so passed since that conversation. And I'd forgotten to write the name down on my hand or, or write it on. I normally write it on a card and then commit it to memory when I'm side of the stage and I can walk out there and say it. So, uh, 
the time came, and I've had uh, I'd had a few drinks, and <laughs> the alcohol was weaving its magic inside my head. And, uh, I wouldn't normally drink if I was working, by the way. This was just a social event. I was helping them. So I walked out on stage and got the huge audience to be quiet, and, and Rupert Murdoch was in the room himself. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Murdoch has a very special surprise for you all this evening. We have a star guest. Well, several star guests. Yes. And I said, uh, and the audience were going, ooh, I wonder who it could be. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I looked to, the, to my right, and I could see these five guys standing there. And their faces were, uh, you know, they were giving me the thumbs up, and uh, they were smiling. And I suddenly thought to myself, I had this panic. I start, suddenly thought, did he say the guests were Boyzone or Westlife? <laughs> the drink was Westlife, Westlife or Boyzone? Boyzone or and I, I couldn't remember, honestly couldn't remember. And I looked back at them again, and the audience were looking at me. And this all may have happened in about three seconds, but it seemed like a month. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and I was going, oh, my God, if I get this wrong, it'll be a car crash. Yes. And I'll be drummed out of that building and and, and probably thrown in the Thames. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, this is it. This is red or black. It's I'm at the I'm at the Monte Carlo Casino roulette wheel. I put everything on red. Here we go. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, yes. <laughs> as the sweat as the sweat was trickling down my brow, <laughs> please welcome Westlife. Oh yes. And uh, and the audience went mad. And I looked to my right. I can hardly look. Uh, and they came bounding out. The key and thingy came bounding out. And. Um, I thought, thank God for that. I got actually chose the right one. The reaction <laughs> give you the answer. You need. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah I, but, but certainly a great, a great story. Uh, the Westlife story. You've had great success, and uh, you've introduced so many great acts onto the the, the X Factor stage. Even uh, like singers that would not have been uh, contestants, like guest uh, artists like Rihanna. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm, yeah. Rihanna is one of my personal favorite when she's on, and the, the, so many others. The, the, the list is endless, really and truly. Oh, I mean, I mean, the list is the uh, the stellar list of the the creme de la creme of music acts and and singers and big huge global stars. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's been a it's been a thrill to work uh, on that show and and all the other ones yeah. I work on as well, where where I get to meet sometimes get to meet these people and be close up to them. I have to give great credit though to the X Factor in the in the sense of uh, Simon Cowell and the whole backroom team and yourself, Peter, because. You've made the whole experience of a weekend. It it was people's weekends for a long time, you know, for many years there. Uh, the whole the the live shows and then the results show, like it it was very enjoyable to watch, you know. Yeah, I think people did. It was an appointment to view. People did make an make an appointment of watching it. And once you've watched one or two, you get hooked in. Like all these shows, they you know, once you start watching it, you have to see it through to the end. And it did become a kind of. Um, a passage to Christmas, didn't it? It was it was the end of the autumn. It started right. and it ended just before Christmas, and it filled those dark autumnal nights yeah. uh, with something that everybody in the family could watch and and feel involved in and get behind. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it, it united us in many ways. Isn't it? Isn't it interesting as well, Peter? That that really and truly, I suppose it's hard to argue. The first one of the first um, pe- people to win at Leona Lewis, she was the first, you know, one of the very biggest superstars the show produced. You know, really and truly, the, the first show. Yeah, yeah, she she was um, yeah. amazing. I I saw her recently, and she said, you know, when she uh, when she hears my voice, she said her chest tightens. I thought that was a lovely image. Brings back memories. And, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> that left an imprint in your head. Well, she said, uh, <laughs> my voice makes her chest tight. And I said, why? She said, well, because you have to remember that before I went on stage in front of 500 people in that audience in London yes. and 15 million or more people watching at home. And as I walked down those stairs, you were shouting my name. That's the last thing I heard before I had to utter a word in front of the, all those people. And so when I hear you again, she says, you know, I, I, I get really nervous, like Pavlov's dog hearing the bell ring. I just get really nervous because yeah. I, I have to do something, I have to perform. That's yeah, right. Uh, I, mean, you, I mean, you think about it. People, some people, the show had its detractors. People thought it was exploitative. But, you know, those young people, uh, not so young people who were on that show, you know, they were large, by and large amateurs. They weren't professional performers. They had some of them very limited experience and certainly no TV experience. And to ask them to uh, each week to sing and perfect a song and learn the lyrics of that song and walk down some stairs and negotiate uh, props on set and dry ice and God knows what and find your find your mark on the stage uh, and sing the song and remember all the words is a very tall order. Yes. I really don't think I could do it myself. It's uh, it's something that uh, is um, is remarkable to me that so many of them managed to do it. That's right. Uh, at all. A true test of of uh, their character and, and ability and talent and uh, definitely not uh, a thing that uh, many people could do. And uh, just uh, before I close out uh, the interview, Peter, I have to touch on uh, Britain's Got Talent. Of course, you worked on that yes. show as well for many years and um Ant and Deck, of course, the hosts, and um, two uh, great sort of co-hosts as well, of course, of I'm a Celebrity. And um, what was it like working with those two guys? I know that show's still ongoing. Yes, again, I don't know them that well. I mean, I've met them, obviously, yeah. uh, many times, but, fle- but always fleetingly, you know, in corridors and dressing rooms and on sets and things like that, but uh, never socialised with them. So I, I wouldn't yeah. say I, I, I knew them particularly well, but they've always been extremely nice to me and kind and very uh, uh you know uh, sociable so uh they are um you know they're they're you know remarkable in that their professional partnership has lasted the test of time particularly through recent events between them together and and personal their personal lives it's been um, a testing time for them um but uh, they've come through and i think they're they're looking better and stronger than they've ever looked and i uh you know, there's no sign of them going away. They're, they're going to be, no. uh, they're going to enter the pantheon of some of the greatest, or two of the greatest TV presenters we've ever had, you know, and, okay, and, and yeah. entertainers. They they are remarkable and, and well-loved by the British public. Yeah, more power to them. And again, it's the, the longevity that they've been on. They're, they're more, as funny now as they've been from the start. And uh, it's definitely the chemistry they have, obviously, uh, from knowing each other from early childhood. That uh, it certainly works. But um, so, Peter, it's uh, it's been a pr- privilege to speak to you on the Time Out podcast, and uh, very thankful that you've given me your time. And uh, great hearing your stories. Uh, where it started in Belfast for you, and uh, it's great to see your business going well at the moment. And certainly, uh, I'm very grateful for your time. Well, thank you very much indeed. And if anybody is interested in hearing more, um, or even finding out more about the world that I work in. Uh, of course, uh, uh, I've written, just literally just published a book called Voiceover Man, the extraordinary story of a professional voice actor is available right now on Amazon and all good bookstops and uh, around the world. And so, and it's selling like hotcakes. So, um, and people tell me it's very funny. Yeah. So <laughs> so there's lots of, yeah. a, there are lots of anecdotal stories about my meetings with some of the biggest name stars in entertainment. 
Uh, some of them are embarrassingly awful, cringing, cringeworthy. Some of them are just laugh out loud funny. So uh, if you're at all interested in what goes on behind the scenes yes, that's uh, on TV and radio, then uh, uh, let me be the first person to recommend VoiceOver Man uh, to you. It's, um, it's available now. Thank you very much yeah. indeed for having me on. And I've absolutely enjoyed every single second. So thank you so much. I wish you all the very best and a very happy Christmas to you and everybody that's listening. Thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Peter. And it's been an, an absolute uh, great joy to speak to you. And I will be checking that book out as well. So, uh, thank you very much. Well, folks, there you have it. That was uh, episode number 34 of the Time Out podcast with Mr. Peter Dixon and uh, a great chatting to Peter, uh, a legend uh, in his own right and certainly loved by many people uh, across uh, Ireland, Britain and the world. That voice of his is instantly recognisable. I think many would agree. Keep your eye out for episode number 35, which will be coming in the next uh, week. Uh, until then, though, uh, take care and goodbye. For more on the Time Out podcast, visit thetimeoutpodcast.ie. Thanks for listening.